0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident finalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. Well, Kyle, I uh, look forward to finding out about all your adventures shouting Go Pack Go at strangers. That, by the way, for those that don't know, somewhat of a throwback. One of the uh, longtime listeners, Peter Thomas. He uh, created that version of uh, the Packernet podcast. I, when he first did that, I swear I listened to that like 50 times, like on a loop. It gave me chills. And I was using that as an outro for a while, and then somehow the file for where I save all my stuff got corrupted, but I had another one saved on my Dropbox. So I was it took me a long time to kind of search around and find all that stuff, but I found it, got it all figured out, ba-boom, there you go. And as I woke up this morning... Because as I said, I created a uh, post on the Facebook group saying, you know, if the Packers do this, I'll do this or whatever. Well, Kyle says, if Ryan plays the Peter Thomas version of the intro tomorrow, I'll shout Go Pack Go at strangers throughout the day. So there you go. We got one in the bag. And and I'll tell you what, there's a lot of stuff I'm rooting for these days. Marcus says, if the Packers sign Richard Sherman, he will yell at a photo of Aaron Andrews. I, um... I'm sure that makes sense to some people. I'm not one of those people, but I want to see that. I just, I want to, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little worried what he's going to yell, because this may be the thing that gets me canceled Right, right here. After all these years and all the stuff I've said that's not politically correct or whatever, Marcus yelling things at Aaron Andrews is going to be the thing that does me in. But I still want to see it. And I'll do my best to disassociate with, with Marcus if things get a little out of hand. But <laughs> still want to see it. Uh, Christopher, a.k.a. The Goose, says if the Packers franchise tag Aaron Jones, he'll walk barefoot in the snow. Uh, in my family, we call that the Viking run. It's actually my wife's side of the family, but it's like a Christmas tradition. Everybody takes their socks and shoes off. You do a lap around the house uh, with you know in the snow. So I'm not going to say I'm rooting for the franchise tag. I mean, it depends what the number is, which I still don't know. I'm pretty sure it's 11. But some people are hanging pretty strong on that 8. And it's people like, you know, ESPN and stuff. So it's like, I don't I don't know. Grayson says, if the Packers lose in the NFC Championship game again, I will become the bus driver from Billy Madison. Which I, I think half of us are already there. And, uh, yeah, one more will probably do at least another 40% in. It'll be like 10% of the super elite that are, that are holding strong emotionally. And I don't think I'll be one of them. I'll be right there with you. Tim says, if the NFL adds a 17th game, I'll watch it. So thanks for playing Tim. I appreciate you at least jumping in and, and humoring me. Andrew says, if the Packers rework Rogers deal and lock him in past 2021, I'll give up all hope, seize a city block in Seattle and declare it my new country. It's not a terrible idea, I have a couple requests. First of all, you might want to hurry up because I think uh, they're losing a lot of real estate. People just take cities in in, uh, that part of the country as like a pastime, I believe. I don't don't really know what happens out there. It's kind of like that episode of The Office when Nellie just takes the office. If 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 the seat is open, the job is open. And then Dwight tries it, and then, you know, he gets ripped out by his hair, and he's like, all right, that didn't work. But you kind of just claim areas out there, just like, I'm taking this now. But if you do take an area... I want you to be king of that area, and uh, everybody is required to uh, subscribe and download the Packernet podcast every day, and hopefully you make a really nice area that a lot of people want to go to, and there's, you know, I mean, if you can get 100,000 people in there, dude, I'll start kicking you money, right? I'll, I'll, you know, we can get a little racket. I mean, this is how government corruption works, right? You're the government. I'll be the quote-unquote big business, and we'll just, you know, me and you, man, we'll do this thing together. We'll take their money and give it back to them, call it stimulus. It'll be, it'll be great, and they'll love it. We'll call ourselves heroes for doing it, although they don't know I exist. I'm the guy, you know, pulling your strings in the background. Anyways, we got to see what happens with Roger's deal first and, and whether you have a successful coup or not, but uh, we'll see how that goes. Garrett says, if the Packers trade for Stefan Gilmore, I will not eat pizza for a month. I, I just put a sad face on that because that makes me sad. I don't want that to happen. I mean, I, I expect you to follow through like a man if it does, but... Um, to be fair, I'm, I'm technically on that same train. I failed last night because I ate pizza, because I'm a failure as a human being. But technically, I'm on a diet, and I'm not supposed to eat pizza. So we'll do this together. Although they're not going to sign Stephon Gilmore. I'll be doing it by myself alone, which is sad. And here's the big one. Kyle also said, if the Packers sign a wide receiver in free agency, draft Leatherwood in the first round, and draft Amon Ross St. Brown in the second... He's going to up his Patreon pledge by $10 for the year. So there we go. I know what I'm rooting for. Got to get a wide receiver. So that's step one, and they better get moving here. Get a wide receiver, draft Leatherwood, draft St. Brown, boom. On that same day, me and Amon Ross St. Brown just got paid. I'm basically like a football player, man. It's pretty much what I am, you know? I mean, you talk about him all the time, and you th- research football all the time. It's like, I mean, what's what's really the difference? I don't know. That's pretty much the same thing both making money, so much money, indistinguishable. But I'm going to leave that up. It's only been up for 23 hours. I'm hoping some more people jump in here if you think of anything. Now that you get the idea, it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't really matter what it is. Just something. Just, it's just for fun, man. I mean, it's not for fun in terms of I don't expect you to follow through. I do. I also need to figure out what I'm doing on here. So that needs to be the thing that I do today is get some ideas. I should post that right now, but uh, considering I spent so much time looking for the... Uh, electric cello version of the podcast. I'm going to I'm just going to power on here. So I want to start off uh we're just going to continue on with some kind of general NFL news. I feel like I misread this. Apparently the Raiders are considering trading their right tackle Trent Brown. Um Trent Brown is 27.8 years old, so not quite 28 years old. They spent a bunch of money like 17 million dollars a year uh, few years back to bring in Trent Brown, and are now considering letting him go. I haven't had anybody directly reach out to me and ask about this, which is somewhat surprising being a 27-year-old right tackle, but let's just get the details out there. Number one, his base salary is the majority of, of the money in his contract, so we would be paying them basically what he's owed by the Raiders. A lot of times when you trade somebody, a lot of that money stays with the Raiders, the rest, you know, gets over to the team, which is pretty cheap. But it would be 30, $13.7 million this year, $15 million next year. Now, that's not crazy tackle money by any stretch. But it is a lot of money for a team that doesn't have a lot of money. Uh, beyond that, I never understood why the Raiders paid him so much money. It's one of those things where everybody in the media and everybody says Trent Brown's one of the best tackles in football, and it's a steal and all that stuff. And I'm kind of going, yeah, all right. He's decent in terms of his grading. Best uh, overall grade he's ever gotten was a 73.4. Best pass-blocking grade he's ever got was in 2017 with the 49ers, and that was a 79 overall grade. His best run-blocking grade was the same year, 70.9 overall grade. Pretty decent, but nothing special. He's no Brian Balaga, Iowa. The bigger issue, though, is the guy can't stay healthy. So it's kind of like if we don't want to spend $15 million on J.J. Watt, we definitely don't want to spend $15 million on a broke-down Trent Brown. I understand the age is better. And it may be maybe a little bit more of a dire position. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but there's nothing super appealing here. Now, the 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 point is, though, and I, I don't expect the Packers to do this, but the point is, it seems as though the general consensus around the NFL does not agree with pro football focus and their grades because the guy goes out and makes money. Then the guy, then the guys also played for uh, three different teams over the course of his career and can't seem to stick around anywhere. So maybe. Maybe teams are wrong. I don't know. But anyways, again, I kind of just skipped over that yesterday, I think, because I misread it. I thought it was saying that they're, I don't know, thought it said something else. Um, In NFC North news, the Lions have released Desmond Trufant. This is obviously good news for the Packers, because although Desmond Trufant isn't an elite corner, um, he's a decent corner. He was much better when he was with the Falcons than he was with the Lions. But the fact of the matter is, the Lions brought him, drafted Okuda, and the concern was, man, they might have a really good duo. Because Trufant is decent and Okuda is supposed to be elite. Well, as it turned out, Trufant was mediocre at best, and Okuda was straight trash. Now, he didn't play the full season, but it was, I mean it was as bad as, as it can possibly get. Um, the lowest grade he's ever gotten in a season in 2018 was a 69.5. So he's good. I mean, that's, that's a 70. That's the lowest he's ever gotten was good. In one, two, three, four, five, six games with the Lions, he had a 38 overall grade. I mean, you want to talk about how badly run a team is when you, when you're a good football player, I'm not talking elite, when you're a good football player and you go somewhere and you are one of the worst in the NFL, that's just, that's horrific. And you know, okay. So you, you know, he got hurt or whatever. I don't know what the issue was, but that's bad, man. And Jeffrey Okuda, by the way, in his rookie year, 42.5 overall makes you wonder if he had gone to a better team. What, what if Okuda went to the Packers as, as we watched the DBs in Green Bay just get so much better. When a guy like Trufant, who is a good football player, is garbage in Detroit, what is Jeffrey Okuda under better leadership, on a better defense, with a better team, better coaches, whatever? Just thinking out loud, I don't know. Now, there's there's a change in leadership over there, so we got to see a possible jump. But either way, you're not going to see the tandem of, of Okuda and Desmond Trufant. And again, that's a benefit to us. Worst case scenario, Okuda takes a really big step. But... I mean it was it was as bad as it can get. His his the only <laughs> get this. Jeffrey Okuda had a forty-two overall grade, right? His run defense grade was an eighty-six. He still managed only a forty-two. Why? Because his coverage grade was a 30. He also didn't play a full season. But in the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games that he played, For those that that don't know, Jeffrey Okuda was drafted very, very early by the Detroit Lions. One of the better cornerbacks, prospects that, you know, the, the draft community has seen in forever. Easily this, you know, elite, 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 elite. Supposed to be so good. So in the however many games I just said he played, he allowed 38 receptions on 50 targets for 579 yards. 500 yards, he played a little over a half a season, maybe three quarters of a season. 500 yards. He only allowed one touchdown, had one pick, and one pass breakup for a passer rating of a 112.0. And his worst game was week one against the Packers, so that's that's also good news. You don't want guys that just show up during the Packers. You want guys that shut down during the Packers. And unlike some of the other draft prospects, no, he didn't get better as the season went on. I mean, his first two games were the worst two games, and then it got better from there, but, I mean, it was it was bad. I mean, bad. So the Lions are in a dismal mess. They're in an absolutely dismal mess right now. And it's not that Trufant was going to save them, but it's like I—it's like when I said Kenny Galladay is the best on their team, I'm, I'm serious. I, I cannot find talent anywhere on that team, anywhere on that team. I mean, I, I like the fact that they went out and got Dorsey and all that, and maybe they can go out and find a quarterback or find some kind of talent in the draft, which he's very good at. But man, I mean, I just, I don't even know. And I did touch on this yesterday. I talked about how, you know, even if they get number one overall, what are they really going to do? But at Kyler Bartlett 76 on Instagram reach out, and basically say the same thing. Uh, but he he kind of elaborated and said, when was the last time a number one overall pick really hit? That's a, it's actually a very good question, because if you look at it, they're not that great. Probably because most of them are quarterbacks, and quarterbacks are kind of iffy, you know? But even so, I'm thinking back on on these top three guys, and a lot of them that are just locks, that just can't fail. They, they kind of fail. And so, again, I'll, I'll reiterate, even if... The Lions do completely fall flat, and and you know I've I've been wrong about the Lions and saying they're going to be better or this that or the other. But unless the uh, the coaching staff just does a fantastic job, or they knock free agency out of the park, which they don't have a ton of money, or they knock the draft out of the park, or or get a bunch of guys that step up, which I don't even know who that would be other than Okuda. I mean an, I'm serious, an 0 16 season is not impossible with Jerry. I mean Matt Stafford isn't even around anymore. I don't know if Kenny Galladay is going to be there anymore. It's just unbelievable what that team is right now, especially the defense. But, yeah, I mean, think about I mean, if they, let's say they get the number one overall pick in 2022 and draft Sam Howell out of North Carolina, who's supposed to be the, the next quarterback or, you know, Slovis or, or whoever, then what? Then what? I just, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's not it's not good, but he doesn't really have people to throw to. He doesn't have a very good offensive line. And that defense is so bad. So bad. So, like I said, it's hard to predict what 2021 is because 2021 isn't 2020. But it's just hard for me to picture the Lions going forward in any capacity. I mean, unless, I mean, the stars just have to align in such a weird way. But the Jared Goff thing to me is terrible. I mean, I really think he's a bad quarterback that was able to find success being in a quarterback friendly scheme behind guys like Matt LaFleur. Which is when things really took off when when Matt showed up and helped him out. when that offense was really humming, there was so much talent. That offensive line was incredible. His wide receivers and the tight ends and the running back was just incredible. The offensive scheme was was the the, the tip of the spear at that time and still to some degree is. The head coach and offensive coordinator were, were exactly what I mean, it was it was everything that you could ever want. If you're a quarterback that struggles, and he was, he was a joke. He was an he was considered an absolute joke in the NFL, and he's becoming that again. So I, I just, you know, I don't know. Kudos to the Rams for getting a quarterback. I have my issues with that whole strategy as well, but you know, I don't know. Uh, moving on, the Steelers signed Ben Roethlisberger to a contract. The Steelers are a mess. I mean, it's just it's such an absolute mess. Um, they're 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 toast, man. I, I just there there's there's nothing. I mean, it's another example of a team that needs to tear down and rebuild and refuses. They just refuse. They also are an example of a team that should have been drafting quarterbacks, that should have, when a quarterback came across their nose, taken them, chose not to, and now are stuck with Ben. And their, their cap is going to be a mess. That offensive line is so unbelievably bad right now. So unbelievably bad. They are antiques on that offensive line, the ones that are even left. They don't have a running back. Their wide receivers are a joke. And, and, and Steelers fans are furious when you tell them that because they think they have the, one of the best wide receiver groups in football. Not so much. The defense was the only thing keeping that, that, that team going, and, and like we've seen with everybody else, you don't usually repeat. Things start to fall off. Guys don't usually have back-to-back super elite years, especially when five, six guys on your team have that. Guys regress. Guys leave. Guys get old. Guys get hurt. So I, I have no faith in the Steelers. It's just, it's, it's sad to watch, but it's, again, it's similar to what I said about the Falcons. When the Falcons and Packers both crashed and burned at the exact same time, they had two different strategies. In the same year, things got real bad, real fast. The, the Packers and Falcons were very good teams for a long time. Powerhouse offenses, all that. And in, uh, what was it, 2018, it just, it completely crashed and burned. They were both just horrible teams. The Falcons held on. They kept their coach. They kept their quarterback. They kept their everything. They kept everything the way that it was, and they just tried to power through. They kept trying to change things. The Packers fired their coach. They uh, got a new GM, new defensive coordinator, right? Not all at the same time. I mean, some of these things were the year before. But they just, they, they rebuilt everything. And they gave the coach one more year, he failed, and they they fired him and found somebody else. And they went out in free agency and just rebuilt the entire team. Which, again, is why, I don't know why the Packers don't get more respect for what they did. To be that bad, to fall off that hard, and to just rebuild. You know, snap your fingers and rebuild. The hiring of Matt LaFleur, who's one of the hottest coaches in football right now, and I mean that not in terms of his appearance, I couldn't care less, but I mean you get it. But the Steelers are just another example, man. I mean, they're getting so old. Who's being replaced? Who's the offensive lineman waiting in the wings? Who is it? Who's the running back? They just lost their, which by the way, they never really found a replacement for Le'Veon Bell. I mean, James Connor was there, but he was always, he was, he was a backup. And then the offensive line was so good. They're like, well, James is fine but they never had a backup waiting. Now they got Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland who are not every down back. I loved Anthony McFarland. He was one of my favorite guys in the entire draft, but he's not a three down back. What are you going to do? You never went and got a backup quarterback. Who is Mason Rudolph? That was the only time you attempted to get a new quarterback, and now the time is for him to step up, and it's like, nah, we're not, we're not doing that. Juju's a free agent, and the only time you tried to get a new uh, wide receiver was James Washington. What was that, four years ago? He did get Chase Claypool. That was solid, but still, I just, come I Villanueva is 33 years old and a free agent. Well, we got Chukwuma Okorafor, who's like a fourth round pick. Okay, well, you have four free agent tackles. Four. Villanueva, Matt Feeler, Gerald Hawkins, Zach Banner. Four of your five. And by the way, Okorafor is in the last year of his contract. You don't have a left guard. They have listed here Aviante Collins, who was on the practice squad last year, as as listed as the left guard. It's just a joke, dude. What are you doing? It's, it's so bad. It's so bad. And again, part of the reason why it's good to go through this is Packer fans who cannot appreciate the Packers, refuse to appreciate the Packers because they made it to the NFC North Championship. Or the, why do I keep saying that? The NFC Championship and lost twice. You have no idea how bad this could be. And by the way, the the Steelers have been a powerhouse for a long time and they're just crumbling right now. The Falcons were powerhouse for a long time. They're they're crumbling. They have been for years. So many teams struggle to stay on top. The Saints have been on top for a long time. Watch that tower crumble. And there's a lot of ways it can fall off. I mean, the Saints are probably going to fall off just because they don't have a quarterback. That's all it takes. And the Packers are trying to uh, avoid that as well. They've, they've got a quarterback of the future. How that pans out, I don't know, but they're they're putting themselves in a position where, where they're just hedging against all issues. You draft people that can step in so that we don't fall off at any one position, where it doesn't get so dire that we can't even play football anymore. By the way, four of their six edge rushers are free agents right now. And TJ Watts in the final year of his contract. So that man's about to get big time paid. is also in the final year of his deal. Terrell Edmonds, the other safeties in the final year of his deal. Your two starting corners, Stephen Nelson and Joe Hayden, are in the final year of their deal. You're going to pay all these guys? You got to pay a cora for by the way, not because he's good, but because you don't have anybody else. Your two tight ends, Eric Ebron and Jalen Samuels, are in the final year of their deal. Mason Rudolph, your backup, you're going to pay him? James Washington, final year of his deal. They don't even have a puncher right now. <laughs> they got nothing. It's very bad. Um, Kind of a random pausing moment here, but we're about halfway through, a little over, so I want to take a break here want to give a shout-out to Gingeron. I'm going to go with Gingeron for the five-star iTunes review. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much. And Again, if you wouldn't mind switching over from the podcast that says Packernet on it and has a bunch of different podcasts to the podcast that uh, has the logo that says Packernet Podcast on it and just has my podcast as well as the Daily Cheese. Those should be the only two things that you're hearing. Again, the idea being more people actually listen to my podcast, iTunes will look and be like, oh, people listen to that. We should probably bump it up the, the rankings. It's a theory. I don't know if iTunes actually cares or tries, but I'm going with that. But anyways, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So continuing on now, we've got big news as far as Russell Wilson. And I don't know how much of this, again, last time this happened, I think it was a lot of nonsense. Um, it's hard to believe that he's doing it again with the notion of trying to get more money. And it makes me wonder if maybe last time it wasn't nonsense. Maybe last time he really did want to move on, but the Seahawks offered him a, uh, just a, uh, there's no word. I don't know what, what, what is the word for a giant amount? I was going to say basket, but baskets are not big. A basket full of money. I don't even want a basket full of money. Why don't you offer me a coffee mug full of money? Get out of my face. A, a, a truck full, probably a literal truck full. And he stayed. But anyways, the, the, apparently Russell Wilson is very upset. And, and based on, again, I don't know if any of this is true, from what I'm hearing, it sounds like Russell's being a petulant child. And maybe it's, it, and I get it. I understand, you know, the perspective that he's not getting the help he needs and the team should be doing more and he's dragging the whole team. I can't necessarily disagree with that, but there was a report that came out, and I'll just read this. This is from Dove Kleiman, Kleiman, whatever. The rift between Russell Wilson and the Seahawks is happening because Wilson believes he's a top five quarterback of all time. He also believes that he isn't currently even viewed as a top 10 quarterback all time. He thinks Seattle is holding him back with certain decisions, personnel scheme, whatever. The issue between the two sides is because now after Carroll gave him full reign of the offense in 2020, Russell couldn't maintain high levels of success for even one full season. The second half of 2020 was a turnover-filled mess. So they no longer trust him to be the focal point. So now we have Russell versus Pete standoff. But let's not forget, Carroll was criticized for years for being too nice to Russell. Now the dynamic has now shifted the other way. Russell wants to play in an offense that allows him to look like an MVP quarterback, and his own team doesn't trust him. Again, that's just my interpretation of it. First of all, top five all-time, give me a break. Top 10 all-time, I don't think so. So just starting there, if that report is even true, he's obviously gotten a super inflated ego, which I guess it always has kind of seemed that way, but it just, I don't know. He's such a dork, you don't really think about it. The other interesting thing, again, if this report is true, is the fact that uh, it just sounds like he wants to just punch his own ticket and do whatever he wants to do. He wants to be Aaron Rodgers, right? You call the play, I laugh at you, I call my own plays. He wants to have what what Tom Brady has in Tampa where the coach literally says he just kicks his feet up and lets Tom coach the team, All right? That's that's the kind of thing that he wants, and apparently, Pete tried that. Pete's like, alright man, it's all you, and the team fell apart, and he's like, look, we're not doing that anymore, you suck at that. You suck at running this team. I'm running the team, you throw the football. And he's like, no, I, I, I'm not going backwards. I don't want to go backwards. I deserve this, I demand this, whatever. It's like, it's like, you know, I don't know, man. But apparently, he wants out, teams are calling, and the Seahawks have gotten to the point of saying, we're not shopping him. But we'll answer the phone and see what people have to say. Now, To be fair, I think they should probably trade him. Number one, that would make me incredibly happy for for a lot of reasons. Number one, I hate the Seattle Seahawks with a passion. I'm watching them decline, and it makes me happy. And Russell's the only thing keeping that team from being one of the worst teams in football. Their defense is putrid. They have no ability to add talent. They've been trying to fix that offensive line since forever and can't do it. They've done basically nothing but add DK Metcalf. That's basically the only thing they've done since, you know, Schneider hit on the Legion of Boom like 50 years ago. So it would be good for Russell Wilson, because he is better than, you know, he gets credit for. Now, it would be terrible if he goes to another NFC team and actually really becomes quite good. It's nice to have a guy like Russell being held back by a team like Seattle. That is nice, and I don't need, you know, more similar to what we had with Tampa, where Tampa was never a threat, then Tom Brady shows up and suddenly they're a threat. I don't need him going to the New Orleans Saints, which I know is not possible considering they're their financial situation, but, you know, you, you get what I'm saying. Who would who would be that team? Pittsburgh doesn't have any money. Buffalo doesn't need them. Dallas, eh. I think Dak is pretty good. It's not, I mean, it, it, he's not as good as Russell, but, you know, I don't know. Dallas is kind of a joke, too. Miami would be horrifying, but that's AFC. So Giants, I don't think so. They don't really have much to work with. New England, oh, no. Now, New England doesn't have much right now, but that's just, that would just be terrible. Philly would be obnoxious. I can't stand Philadelphia. Jets don't want him. Washington, who cares? Baltimore doesn't want him. Chicago, obviously, is horrible. And I'm sure they're trying real hard to get him. But I can't help but feel like that's a worse situation than Seattle. And it's going to end up like Khalil Mack. You know, they get Khalil Mack, and it's like, this is horrible. And granted, it is horrible. I don't like facing Khalil Mack. But it's also kind of like, you guys just ruined Khalil. Like, poor Khalil. (laughs) I doubt Detroit makes another move at quarterback watch him trade golf now. But again, he'd be ruined there. Cincinnati doesn't want him. Cleveland doesn't want him. Green Bay doesn't want him. Yes, I said Green Bay doesn't want him. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. If you want to, go ahead. Pittsburgh, no. Minnesota, I don't think so. That would be terrifying with those wide receivers and that running back. Yikes. I don't know. I don't really know. Indy, if they didn't do something stupid like get Carson Wentz, they would have a shot, but they are already they're too stupid to fix their own mistakes. The Rams would have been horrifying, but obviously that would never happen. San Francisco, but that'll never happen. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know that there's... But then again, I would have never thought Tampa was, was a threat until they became one. So who knows? Maybe things are better just staying where they are. I don't know. Um, and then some other relatively big news, and this is somewhat intriguing. Apparently, for some reason, the Giants are shopping Kevin Zeitler, who is their guard. He is their right guard, which happens to be possibly our biggest weakness right now. Now, Kevin Zeitler is 30 going on 31, so it's not a long-term fix. And it's possible that the man just completely fell off. I mean, he's been a very good guard for a long time, um, 70s and 80s his entire career in terms of his grading, went with Cincinnati, He's been with Cleveland, uh, was very good with the Giants in 2019, and then 2020, everything fell off. Now, interesting to note, because I've picked on the Giants in my mock draft stuff in their offensive line, and according to them, things were really bad, and then they went and made a change at the offensive line uh, coach, and things started to get better. But he had his first, not terrible year, but his first kind of bad year. Went from a 76 in 2019 to a 66. But, um, I mean, the guy has never given, aside from his rookie year, he's never given up more than three sacks. He gave up two this past year, two hits, 24 hurries. It was his, eh, his second worst year, I guess, in terms of pressure, was 28. The year before that with the Giants was only 22. The year before that was 11. Three sacks, one hit, seven hurries. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible, incredible year. So it's it's it would be kind of similar, depending on his cost, which I think again he had a clear decline. He's going to be turning thirty-one this year. He is a former Badger, by the way, former first-round pick, by the way, in twenty twelve. But it would be similar to what we did with Rick Wagner, right? He's he's older. Uh, we just kind of need the depth, and uh, you know we'll see what happens. Now I'm not paying the guy ten million bucks if he wants top-tier interior offensive line money. Give me a break. But if a veteran guard who has top-end potential is available for a short-term stint, year, whatever, I think I'd be good with that. The problem is it wouldn't really work out as a trade. In fact, I think the Giants are dreaming trying to trade the guy. Um, they're probably going to have to cut him, and that's when the Packers would have to swoop in and get him because, and I understand now why they want to get rid of him, he has $14.5 million against the cap. $12 million of that is his base salary. So, if he trade, if he gets traded, the team is on the hook for twelve million dollars for one year of Kevin Zeitler. That seems absurd. But if they do end up cutting him, they save twelve million dollars. They're only on the hook for two point five million. So they're going to free up twelve million bucks to move on from Kevin Zeitler. So it's, it sounds like they want to move on, and they're trying to see if they can squeeze a little bit of value out of him before they do. And that's when the Packers can swoop in and get him for a massive discount. Hopefully, if not, if he's still sitting there saying, oh, "I still want 10, nah, sorry. If we couldn't trade you for 12, you're not getting 10. Uh, Let's see what else we got here. Steven Weatherly is going to be back with the uh, Vikings. Steven, Stefan, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Don't care. For those wondering, um, who cares? (laughs) He's he's a horrific football player. It doesn't matter. Um, There were reports that the Packers did meet with Zayvon Collins. Again, the Packers have met with a lot of guys, um, but I'm not going to completely dismiss it. Obviously, linebacker is a need for the Packers. Although it does seem unlikely they would take one in the first round, you never know. Um, and I know Coach Hahn has said that he's not necessarily ideal for um, sort of that Tampa 2-ish style, but I still think that that's a possibility. Unlikely, but a possibility. Just because there's 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 so many variables, you know. And and being a linebacker, the Packers want big time value in round one. Tackles, edge rushers. Maybe defensive tackles, quarterbacks, cornerbacks, linebackers, Yeah, If none of that other stuff is available and they really like Zavin, sure. Um, And then finally, on the NFL news front, there was uh, something on Twitter I saw from Ken Ingalls I thought I'd pass along because it's interesting information. He was clarifying for somebody on Twitter. He says that Rodgers, in his contract, has what are called automatic conversion rights. This means that the Packers can convert as much of Rodgers' base salary and roster bonus as they want into a signing bonus at any time. And the reason they brought this up is a lot of people are saying Rodgers isn't going to let them do this that or the other thing. First of all, I don't know why he'd be opposed to it. As I've said before, if they take his money and convert it, all that means is he's getting it early, right? If you take your base salary, imagine like your job, let's say you make $50,000 a year. It would be like if I came to you and I'm like, "Look, um Here's what I need to do. We're going to take 25 dollars and we're going to call it a bonus. And we're going to spread it out over three years. And that does two things. I'm going to cut you a $25,000 check today and hand it to you. And then you're going to get the rest of the 25 dollars throughout the year. And then we're on the hook for that $25,000 over the next three years, making it very unlikely that we're going to want to fire you because then we're on the hook for a lot of money. So you're getting a $25,000 check and increased job security. Are you going to say no to that? Maybe if you're really bad with money, right? If, if you just have this instinct that, and granted, I mean, this is where the analogy obviously breaks down. Even for me, it would be scary because you take that 25000 you think you can do whatever you want with it. You spend a bunch of it. And now you're only making twenty-five grand a year and that $25,000 check isn't working. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers who doesn't need any of the money coming into him. But anyway, it's just, it's an interesting thing. In other words, they don't have to talk to Rodgers about any of this. If they want to do it, they're going to do it, which is another reason why it's it's, part of me thinks that they're just not going to do it. And again, as I said, I I don't think that they should. I know everybody wants them to because you just want the money. Just give me the money. We need more money. Just take the money. But it puts them in a vulnerable position. And as I said before, I think the Packers, like every team, wants to have as much control and uh, flexibility through different variables as possible. This gives them less flexibility. If something happens to Aaron Rodgers, if for some reason his play completely falls off, if whatever, they have the ability to move on. And, and start their new quarterback. This puts them in a much more tenuous position where you're kind of just rolling with Rodgers no matter what, which is probably fine. But why do it if you don't have to do it? And I don't like making decisions because we've made so many bad decisions. We have to make another bad decision to fix the last bad decision. I don't like that. It's like I'm I'm falling behind on my bills, so I got to take out a loan to help pay the bills. That's That's kind of what it's like. Well, dude, we need the money. What's the big deal? Just take the money. The the, the bank is offering you 10 grand. It'll help you pay your bills. You just stagger it. You pay it. Okay, but now we owe the bank on top of that. And the 10 grand is going to run out. And then I owe the bank and all these bills and I have nothing. And then what? See what I'm saying? It's just, it's it's not ideal. Anyways, finally getting a little bit of uh, NFL draft stuff here. The biggest riser of the day for the uh, NFL draft today, or yesterday, I should say, is edge rusher Jonathan Cooper of Ohio State. Jonathan Cooper, 23 years old, 6'4", 257. He jumped up 28 spots since the last time that this board was updated. He is now at 179 overall. Jonathan has been a pretty average guy throughout the entirety of his career, which he's played five years, so he's been in there for a while. Um, But he had a superb 2020. It's obviously an abbreviated year. But if you look at his grades through all this time, 2016, it was at a 55, 2017, 18, and 19 was 71, 68, 69. So he's right in that 70 range, good, not great. In that time, he's kind of struggled to get at 10% of, of, you know, getting pressures. He's gotten there, but it's it's very low numbers because he's kind of just a rotational guy, to be honest. He doesn't even get that many snaps. And he didn't in 2020 either. However, 33 pressures on 228 attempts. That's nearly 14.5%. He got three sacks, which, again, doesn't sound like a ton, but keep in mind this is under 300 attempts total, eight games he played. He also started to get more starting snaps as the season went on, started off getting 29, 35, 36, ended the season 55, 56, and 63 snaps against Alabama. But uh, in this 2020 season, his grade went from around 70 up to 88, and the majority of that was his pass rush ability, 90.4 overall pass rush grade. So again, he's, he's a late rounder, but he's something to keep an eye on if you're kind of doing deep dives and stuff, looking for a little bit of homework. See if you can find some film on Mr. Jonathan Cooper, edge Rusher out of Ohio State. The man actually made a big jump uh, around February. And again, usually when these things happen, somebody puts them on a board or a mock draft and everybody kind of freaks out. So he was sitting uh, February 5th at 422 overall. The next update, 214th, he is now sitting at 179th. But uh, he's shown up in, in several different different sites over the years. Ironically, not ironic, well, it's it's kind of funny. The first place that uh, he was seen was actually on my old website, NFLBigBoard.com. This was in 2019 he showed up. so He was on my 2019 Big Board, ranked 171st. He obviously decided to go back to school. But he showed up again for the first time about 28 days ago, uh, going in the fourth round to the Baltimore Ravens, fifth round to the Rams, uh, later sixth round to the Colts, and he's shown up three more times in the last couple weeks, uh, all of them in the fifth round. NFL spin zone had him going to the Bengals, fan-sided to the 49ers, Falcons wire to the Falcons all in round five. So he's starting to show up a lot in these mock drafts in the kind of mid-ish rounds. Fourth, fourth through sixth round is kind of where he's showing up right now. Sad to see, man. I miss NFL big board. I, I, I hate not having stuff that I like. So many projects I've had that I really, really like that it just doesn't work. My favorite, though, that I'm still sad about is the Unprofessional Football League, the UPFL. UPFL UPFL.com was the site. It was a satire site. It actually was going very, very well. I had dozens of writers. They all loved working there, cranked out some great content. We're starting to get big-time views on the site, but anyways, just reminiscing here. But with that, I got to get going. Got stuff to do. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen for the weekend. Um, I do need to get cracking on some YouTube content. I don't know if there's going to be a podcast. Maybe I'll try to do something tonight, record something tonight for tomorrow. I don't know. So maybe you'll hear from me, maybe you won't. However, one of the things I'm planning on doing uh, this weekend as far as YouTube videos is team mock drafts. I'm going to crack back into that, and one of them is going to be the Green Bay Packers. So something to keep your eye out for. Otherwise, you folks have a great day. I'll talk to you when I talk to you. Bye-bye.